Don't you love that sound? The scripture this morning is from the gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and it's verses 1 through 14. Somebody tell me what the Pew Bible number is. 957, if you'd like to follow along. As you know, Pastor Phil is preaching, and has invited me to share in this, through the six parables of Jesus that we find in the, chap- in the <clears throat> Gospel of Matthew. It's the last week of Jesus' life. We heard, about, heard two of the um, parables last week. Listen to this one. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both the good and the bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. The king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. That's scripture. Lord, may the words of my mouth and indeed the imaginations of our hearts and minds be touched by whatever truth it is you have for us today. I ask this in Jesus' name and to his glory. Amen. Well, I am delighted to share in worship with you this morning. I love worship, and I hadn't been able to be at this service, so getting to hear your band and feeling the energy, and it's just really great. Um, Last time I was at this pulpit, Gwen Stidham North had been installed as the associate pastor for Mount Olympus, and I guess that was a very long time ago. I am um, probably, like many of you, a little bit in awe of your pastor, Phil. Isn't he a man of great faith and wonderful scholarship and intellect? So when Phil called me some time ago and said, Catherine, would you preach on March 27th? I was honored. Well, it is March 27th, and I'm a little intimidated. (laughs) But um, hear the good news. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And so follow with me 
as we go through this parable of the wedding banquet. And once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables. Them. The chief priests, the Pharisees in Jerusalem, the very men that Jesus had just managed to really tick off as he had spoken against them and he acted against them by turning over those tables of the money changers in the temple. Them. The ones who are so angry at Jesus that within a few days they will be successful in arresting him and killing him. Now the last week of Jesus' life, it's no understatement to say there would be a tremendous amount of tension. I mean, the dusk of the Garden of Gethsemane is drawing closer. Mount Calvary's horizon is there. And Jesus has a whole lot of work to do to get through to some, well, shall we say, dense disciples. Yet here he is. The Lord is speaking for God with authority in the presence of his enemies, and he's telling them about a king who is throwing a party. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like, well, it might be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Anybody been to a wedding recently? Remember what a good time that was? Well, Jesus is not talking about just any king. We know the vocabulary by now. Jesus is talking about God. The one who wants more than anything to party because his son, by his death and by his resurrection, has now drawn all of creation unto himself. I can't conceive of that, can you? But believe me, that would be an occasion that God would want to say, I want to celebrate all humankind has been drawn to me in the prize of wholeness and unconditional love. Wow. You know, that is just too priceless an event not to celebrate. And he wants all of us there. You know, the picture of the divine with whom we relate isn't always the party given God, is it? I mean, we think about what it is to live a Christian life. Mm, wow. It's about discipline, and it's about sacrifice, and it's about serving, it's about sitting up straight in the pew, and it's about never being, you know, way too frivolous. But Jesus says, the kingdom of God, what it is to be here and now in the presence of the divine is like being a guest at a banquet. The most fabulous banquet you can imagine. And if you need a hint, think of uh, what Prince William and Sarah's event to come. What's the banquet going to be like after those nuptials? The kingdom of God. What it is to be in the company of the divine with you as a guest is like being at the very best banquet ever. There is joy. There is joy. Come on, let's see some smiles. That's what I love about this band. There's joy. There are bellies full of satisfaction, and there are hearts of peace at that banquet. You know, one of my very favorite images of Jesus comes from the Jesus movie. I can't remember how many years ago it was. But there's a scene in there where Jesus, robes, long hair, starts a water fight with the disciples. <laughs> Is that not wonderful? We have a God who wants to engage us in delight? Well, yeah. So, the king, wanting everybody at that party, sends out a gracious invitation. 
He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the marriage feast. And sadly, though, the situation is not that simple. Those who were invited, Jesus says, would not come. In the words of Robert Capon, who's a contemporary theologian, score a sad point here for the unhappy truth that the world is full of fools. Fools who won't believe a good thing when they hear it. Free grace. Dying love. Unqualified acceptance. Those things might as well be... Those things might as well be a 15-foot crocodile the way some people respond to them. All of our protests to the contrary. We will sooner accept a God we will be fed to than one we will be fed by. Well, the king sent out other slaves to tell the people, here is the menu. It's going to be great. Okay, what kind of food do you really like? It's all there. But they made light of the invitation. They preferred to work. One went off to his farm. Another went off to prepare his taxes. (laughs) They were more enslaved to their plans than curious about what the king's invitation might mean. William Barclay said once, A man can be so busy making a living that he fails to make a life. You know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we can't see it. And we think, hmm, that's a really pleasant, great notion. Yeah, I think I kind of want to be there. But it doesn't strike us as urgent. It's not pressing. I mean, think of it. You're sitting there. I'm standing here. We are witnessing to the greatest truths of all eternity. And yet somewhere in the back of my mind and the back of your mind is, ooh, tomorrow is Monday. I've got a dentist appointment. (laughs) You know, we become preoccupied. And we don't hear that juicy invitation. The invitation to the party gathers dust. The RSVP goes unnoticed. And we go on living without, we, without what we suppose will be the divine's <clears throat> interference. Sorry, God, I can't answer your call. Uh, you know, I've got a previous commitment to myself. Ouch. Megan McKenna, a theologian who writes a lot on the parables, describes them as the arrows of God intended to pierce us and make us painfully aware of our need to change. Or in the words of one of my mentors, okay, now you are messing with my comfort, Jesus. (laughs) Have you been pierced by any of the parables that Pastor Phyllis taught? Listen up. There's power there. You know, all those preparations were made for the party. All the good and proper people with the right religious credentials had been invited to come. They said they would come, but they didn't. Despite an invitation in black and white. You know, perhaps because they believed that it was hard work. Hard work is going to get me a place at that banquet table. And they didn't think they'd worked hard enough, so, well, they didn't take the invitation seriously. Maybe that was it. Or perhaps they thought that, you know, God's got a really good nature. And, you know, he's going to forgive me if I don't hang out at the banquet table because I've got other plans. 
Well, not so. The king was enraged, and the judgment was pretty harsh for those who ignored the invitation, especially for those who said, we'll come, and then didn't. So the king in the story says to his servants, those guys were not worthy. I want you to go on to Main Street. I want you to go out to the thoroughfares and invite anybody you can find to come to the banquet. Well, that was mighty kind of the king. Wasn't that sweet? But you have to ask, does he really know what he was doing? Folks, I work with the homeless. And we're talking about him inviting those people who stand at the freeway exit with the got a buck for a beer sign. The ones who come stumbling into dinner with the mixture of Listerine and vodka on their breath. The hookers that live on, hang out on 4th Street. They came. They came with all the good folks and the bad folks, the high school football players, the stockbrokers, the woman who does your nails, the politicians. They were all at this banquet. And you have to ask, doesn't God care about the mix? Aren't there any moral standards? I mean, is this the image of the God we worship? Yep. (laughs) No reference checks are required. No placement tests. It doesn't matter whether you ace the SAT or you can't read. It doesn't matter if you're married or you're single or you've got some secret addiction or you've got a spotless record. We are all, good and bad, we are all invited into that banquet right now. Well, from here it's important to share a detail with you that you would have known if you had heard this parable in the first century. And that is that wedding hosts provided celebration clothes to their guests in those days. You know, it's kind of like, I've never been to one, but fancy restaurants that keep a, a coat and tie on hand for folks who come in looking too casual Friday. Given that these street people... I mean, they didn't have time to change their clothes to come into this banquet, and they probably didn't have the right clothes anyway. It was probably a good idea. So I want you to imagine. Everybody is splendidly outfitted. The band is playing. Great food has been set out. The rowdies are dancing, the boot scoot and boogie together. The teens are flirting and laughing. The really hungry are savoring that taste of wine and food. The party is full on. And then the king, who's been mingling with the guests, spots a man over by the punch bowl who is wearing cutoffs and a Raiders t-shirt. I mean, he stood out, but not in a good way. So the king goes over to him. And I sort of imagine, I sort of imagine that it's a little bit like, you know, you've seen those blue lights behind you when you're driving. And the officer comes up to the, to the window and he says, <clears throat> Buster, yeah, you know your had. How did you get in here without the proper wedding garment? And the man said what? Absolutely nothing. So the king points a finger and he says, bind him, hand and foot, and toss him out to where there is gnashing of teeth and darkness. <sighs> The music stops, and we all stare. And this happy story, well, I don't think it's going to have a good ending. Was that really necessary? I mean, what did the guy do wrong? He accepted the invitation. 
Well, he received the invitation. He also received the celebration clothes, that robe of righteousness that God puts on us. God's mercy and delight were there. They fit around him, but for some reason, he, he walked in the door pretending he belonged there. But he refused to show in any meaningful way that he had received those clothes. He didn't put them on. He didn't put on the righteousness. He didn't put on the mercy. He didn't put on the grace. And I want to ask, he is at this incredible party. Where is at least his awe? Where is his gratitude? Where is his changed heart that because he has been given so much, he's going to give something to somebody else? But no, he stands here at the hors d'oeuvre table just stuffing his face. The, Barbara, um, the Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, in a sermon on this text, says, The underdressed guest got bounced, not for wearing shorts, but because he was short on righteousness. Did he think that he could come into the kingdom of God wearing his same old prejudices about people? Did he think he could come in just, you know, kind of mixing and matching, you know, my ego, my selfishness? You're never going to notice my lack of compassion because I'm so great. Well, folks, this parable is not about working your way to get into God's party. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, then you're already there. And if you're already there, I want you to hear this. God expects some show of heart, a sign or two that being wrapped in that unconditional love and acceptance and forgiveness means something to you. I'm not talking about works righteousness here. I'm talking about something in you changes at heart. The Apostle Paul says, Be attired in the new self, created in God's likeness, clothed with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and the patience of one who belongs to the kingdom of God. Step up to the plate. Dress for the occasion. But there's one more part of this parable that is just way too good for me to pass up. It's back to that guy who, well, when the king asked him what he was doing there, he said nothing. He said nothing. There wasn't a stammering excuse. Uh, oh, man, it, it didn't fit. There was no repartee like in, you know, hey, it wasn't my color. There was no distraction. Boy, great party, thanks for asking me. There was no even embarrassed apology. Whoa, man, I kind of misunderstood. Nothing. He stood there arrogant and indifferent to the God of all creation. You know, being a Christian is not about having the right belief system. It is not a philosophy of life. It's about being in relationship with a living, loving divine. One who is crazy enough to invite all of us to the banquet before we ever deserve it. You know, maybe if that man had said something, Maybe if he'd made the slightest effort at relating to the king who had invited him there. Maybe there was a possibility he could have stayed. 
Folks, it's about relationship. It is about your relationship with God in the person of Jesus Christ who loves you and wants you there and who has wrapped you in love, who has wrapped you in forgiveness, who has wrapped you in righteousness. wants you to put on those celebration clothes. But you know this guy, his spiritual narcissism is such that, you know, he thought he was doing God a favor. Boy, you know, there's a lot of extra food there. Um, maybe, maybe the king was just looking for warm bodies. He was happy to enjoy that food and dance to the music. But you know what? God is not looking for warm bodies to fill pews in churches. God is looking for banquet guests. God is looking for people who will show by their hearts and their lives that they welcome those celebration clothes and that they want to be in relationship with him. I have to ask, why would anybody want anything different? You know, it's true that the Lord tossed him out. He didn't really have any choice. I think the guy participated a whole lot in getting himself tossed out from that party. He chose not to let himself belong there. He chose not to have accepted and put on that garment of mercy and righteousness. That's pretty much what the last sentence in this parable that Jesus speaks means. Many are called, and few are chosen. In traditional Judaism, the saying means everybody gets called, but not everybody is worthy of it. Or in the context of this parable, God wants everybody at this party, but not everybody wants to come, and not everybody wants to behave once they get there. Well, it's no accident, I think, that your good pastor chose the last six parables of Jesus to preach in the season of Lent. For those of us who have said yes to the banquet, this parable in particular asks the two questions that we get to ask ourselves during Lent. How am I wearing God's grace in my life? And what stands in the way of my relationship with Jesus Christ? How are you wearing God's grace in your life? And what stands in the way of a really full relationship with Jesus Christ? Those are good questions. The end. Let's pray. Lover and creator of all, you have invited us to an incredible banquet. Help us to fit into those clothes. Help us to move into relationship with you. Because God, when it's said and done, nothing else matters. Amen.